Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. Evil lives amongst us. African American true crime. This podcast is about true crimes that are committed by African Americans. Me personally, I love listening to true crime stories. I love watching them on television, just seeing how people thought they could get away with things and just paying attention to the dark psychology of people. But very seldom do I hear true crime stories that were committed by African Americans. So, I decided to create this podcast in order to talk about the true crimes of African Americans, how they can be serial killers as well. And so I wanted to share some of the stories that I found to be very interesting. So sit back and relax and listen to Evil Lives Amongst Us, True Crimes of African Americans. I am going to talk to you about Credonia Morende. She was known as the Priestess of Death. Credonia Morende was a high priestess and co-founder of the Movement for the Restoration of the Ten Commandments of God. It was a religious sect that splintered off from the Roman Catholic Church in Uganda. Credonia Marinde was an African woman. She was born in 1952. Now, according to Wikipedia, and who can trust sources from Wikipedia, because anybody can put anything into Wikipedia, Wikipedia said that before founding the movement, she was a shopkeeper and a brewer of banana beer and also a prostitute. And she was also a member of the religious group that was devoted to the Virgin Mary. Now, with that being said, I am going to say that people can create and establish any type of church. And if there are people who agree with what that person is saying, Boom, all it takes is three people and you have a church. And they're able to establish churches based on different reasonings and ways of thinking. Well, anyway, she and two other group members approached Joseph Kibwateri in 1989 and said that the Virgin Mary had instructed him to take them in. And guess what this man did? He took them in. And he was struck by her claim of a Marian apparition that lived near his home, which related to a vision he himself had had five years earlier. And together, the two of them founded the movement in 1989. 
The set was also led by Dominique Cateria Babo, and he was an excommunicated priest. But the other person, Paul Icazair, who was a part of the sect leader, he returned to the Catholic Church and described her as being the true power in the movement. He stated that the meetings were chaired by Sister Credonia, who was the facto head of the group, and Kib Wateri was just a figurehead intended to impose the masculine authority over the followers and enhance the cult's public relations. Morinde was also the source of the sex predictions of an apocalypse and the pronouncements that salvation can only be found with the Virgin Mary's messages. You see how it is so easy to manipulate people spiritually into believing anything. The movement grew. And its height membership was estimated to be between a thousand to four thousand people. Those Catholic priests and nuns who were shunned joined the movement. The apocalypse was predicted to occur during the new millennium. And after the movement was evicted from Washamayir, it moved to an estate her father owned in the Kanugu district. With the year 2000 approaching, the members sold their properties and turned everything they made from selling their properties over to the group leadership. But the world did not end by January 1st. So everybody began to get upset in the movement. Members began to ask questions and they began to demand they wanted their money back. You said this was going to happen. We sold our houses, our cars. We sold everything because you said that the Virgin Mary told you that the apocalypse was going to happen January 1st, 2000. It is now January 2nd, 2000 and we are here Now we want our shit back. But it didn't happen. Police investigators believe that what she started doing was purging the followers. And she began to purge them by killing them. And how this happened was the Kanaga church went up in a blaze in a strong fire and it killed all 530 people that were inside like there was hundreds of bodies that were found at movement properties across southwestern Uganda and initially it was believed to be a mass suicide but later police found out that they were investigating it as a mass murder So she was assumed to have survived the church conflagration and authorities believe that she left the Kanaga compound in the early hours of March 17th and April 2000. Police issued an international warrant for her arrest in connection to the sect killings. In September, though, of 2011, Morindi and several other prognosticators who incorrectly predicted various dates for the end of the world were jointly awarded as an 
ignoble prize for teaching the world to be careful when making mathematical assumptions and calculations. Now that is what I found about Credonia on Wikipedia. So of course, like I said, with Wikipedia, you can look up, anybody can put anything up there that you're looking up. They can falsify information. Wikipedia is not a valuable source to quote. So I kept digging further because I wanted to find out about Credona Merende and I didn't hear about it. Other people um, that as I started investigating this and trying to dig deeper, there were some personal friends of mine that I spoke to and they told me that they had heard about it. But how come I hadn't heard about it? Or maybe I did and I just wasn't paying attention. So I found some credible information from Newsweek. Of course, you know, Newsweek reporters, they do write. That doesn't necessarily mean everything that they write are true. But after I researched several different articles, I decided to go with the article that Newsweek wrote about her because it was more informative. Now, can you imagine with the way that churches and stuff are being put up today and we have the Internet, can you imagine people who are believing in what these people are saying to them about the end of the world and they're selling all of their properties and they're giving this woman all of this money and then nothing happens so now they have nothing and they want their money back they're, they want everything that they spent on their properties they want their shit back but she can't give it to them because she spent the money they've done something with the money so why not kill them get rid of them and that way you ain't got to give them nothing back so that was the solution that she came up with so according to Newsweek it says that shortly after dawn on Friday March 17th Credona flagged down a bus leaving her village for the Ugandan capital she boarded the bus walked slowly down the aisle, closely studying the face of each passenger. They didn't know it, but Miranda Credona, who was 52, had just begun the biggest cult murder in modern history. And this is what the Ugandan police stated. Now, we're going to go back. And so over the previous 10 years, the former bar owner who claimed to speak to the Virgin Mary, she had built a cult that made her wealthy and gave her absolute control over thousands of half-starved followers. Now, imagine that. You know, we, you know, we've heard of Jim Jones and we've heard of other different religious sets where they make people give them all of their personal belongings. And people always say, oh, this could never happen to black people. But it did. It did. She had a dozen or more accomplices. And it says that she probably killed around 22 
100 to 3,000 members of the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God, which was a group that preached repentance before the end of the world in the year 2000. And guess what, though? Most of the victims, half of them children, had been poisoned. Children. And, and can you imagine your child children being poisoned and I remember when I was a little girl we used to be made to go to church we would we would be made to go to church and get on this bus that would come and pick us up three times during the week and we were forced to attend this church so you have these parents who have these children going to this church too and why would you kill the children if it was the parents who wanted the money back but it says that those who had not died quickly and quietly had been knifed, garroted, or had their skulls crushed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They say that on that day in Kanuga, there were several mass graves, naked, stripped, and these were the people of all identifying features and stacked with chilling efficiency in pits they had dug themselves. But that was not the end. She had to make sure that no one from her flock was going to escape. So when she got on that bus and she stopped and stared at each one of those people's faces that were on that bus she was trying to make sure that none of them belonged to her religious group because if she found even one still alive can you imagine what she would have done to that person but since she didn't find none on board the bus she wished the passengers a safe journey and walked back to her compound so she never was getting on the bus to leave she was just getting on the bus to make sure that there was no one from her compound from her religious group movement for the restoration of the ten commandments of god trying to escape on that bus so now there were only a few surviving and these were about 600 people. They were mainly women and children. Now, I'm not going to say that women are weak. But for the most part, especially in African-American houses, especially in black houses when there is a woman. Well, even, if, even when there are two parents, it is really the woman who really pushes a lot of the spirituality. Um, our mother used to make us get up and go to church. Um, and we did it when we were in Connecticut. Um, we would go to church constantly when we lived, when we moved to North Carolina. I cannot tell you how many churches my mother has went to and became a member of. And it was so many and we always had to go. So you've got 600 people left that are mainly women and children. They had eaten porridge for breakfast. They had had an all night prayer vigil. And on Cor Cordonia's orders, they had burnt all of their belongings. 
so i have been to prayer visuals at um pentecostal church which go in you're there all night you're on your knees you're drinking water you're fasting you're trying to receive the holy spirit you're asking god to forgive you of your sins and it's grueling because i had to i was on my knees for long periods of time just muttering jesus over and over again just hoping that i would get filled with the holy ghost and i never did so i always felt like something was wrong with me but that's the story for another day anyway she made them wash shave their heads clip their nails and put on green and white uniforms investigators go on to say that she forced them into the ark which was a a church that was lined with 68 cans that was filled with gasoline and when they went in the leaders nailed the doors and windows shut and investigators believe that the manager Robert Agagura may have set the fire but when it was lit everybody I mean everybody inside this building was dead because the church was set on fire and everybody perished and it was the fire and the flames was so intense that they said that skulls began to explode now think for a minute you know how hot a fire can get so now can you imagine a fire so fucking strong that the skulls of the women and children who were trapped inside that fucking church who had to shave their hair who had to clip their nails who had to burn all of their belongings and put on these same clothes green and white burning being burnt can't escape screaming yelling inside of this church but when they went to go look for Credonia she was gone she had slipped away some say she went into the neighboring Congo but when Newsweek started investigating this, they began to shed some new light on the tragedy. They began to interview survivors, like there were survivors and former cult members and local officials and Corindia's relatives and, I mean, Credonia's, I'm sorry, Credonia's relatives and neighbors. And they began to give them wisdom about the massacre that happened and the woman. But what they found that the mass murder was reportedly not the first time that Credonia had killed. Some say that she could be violent and vindictive and was possibly mentally unstable. But she was obsessed by fire. There's a book that I've read, read by Octavia Butler. And in it, it talks about these people who are surviving. Um, it's kind of a science fiction type novel. And in it, it talks about these people who get high on drugs that 
all they do is become obsessed with fire and they just want to burn things so when I was researching that that's what this reminded me of that story that I had read by Octavia Butler and it was also saying that she probably was motivated by the murder because the people was beginning to rebel and they wanted, like I said, they wanted their stuff back. So following the weeks after the um, four mass graves in the Ugandan countryside were found in the in, of the cult, it was a total of 970 bodies that were counted, exceeding the 914 members of the Reverend Jim Jones cult of the people who died in Jonestown, Guyana in 1978. So Credonia had more people to die. This black woman, this African woman killed more people than Jim Jones did in Jonestown, Guyana in 1978. Some are saying that the real death toll was probably higher, but the exact number may never be known. But that is what they counted, 979 bodies. The police, the police really didn't have the resources to look for them. They tried. People wasn't interested in it because guess what? There was no money. And if you don't have any money, you can't do anything because we all know that money and power rules the world. At first, as the investigators were investigating Credonia, they said that maybe her and her subordinates were trying to suppress an insurgency or, you know, they were um, on joining the cult because recruits had to sell their property and give the proceeds to the leadership. And so when they did that because they thought the year was going to come in, they wanted their stuff back. And so she tried to convince them by saying that the world would end before the completion of the year 2000. And in March, the year still had a long way to go. And all she said was that there would be no year in 2001. And this came from a cult member who was 17, Peter Asabihibwe. He survived because he sneaked out of the compound the morning of the fire to look for sugar cane. And that's how he survived. Can you imagine you wake up early that morning, you got a taste for some sugar. They're not giving you any sugar. They're giving you porridge and you decide, you know what? I'm going to sneak out and I'm going to go get me some sugar cane. And by him sneaking out to go get that sugar cane, that is what saved his life. But the authorities were mystified over how she could have managed to have so many people killed in the early massacres in all of these different cult compounds that was across Uganda and kept it a secret. But after the fire, they found a clue in a latrine pit next to her bedroom. Drawn by the stench, the officials discovered the 
bodies of six burly men partly dissolved in sulfuric acid. The executioners who had carried out the earlier massacres. Now, Credonia, she was evil. This woman had these big, strong men commit these massacres, and then she killed them, poisoned them, and then killed them by a blow to the head. That's crazy. But the most disturbing fact is that were it not for the smell of the rotten flesh, the murder of the last 600 cult members would have been dismissed as a suicide. So if they would not have found these bodies that she killed and, and, and tried to put sulfuric acid on them, they would have said that all the people that got burnt by the fire whose skulls exploded in that church committed suicide. And they would not have been able to uncover any mass graves. It would have been the perfect murder. Now, let's go back into her childhood. Some are asking the question, why did she do it? Her career suggested that early on in her life, she was called the programmer because she displayed a violent streak of fascination with the destruction of fire. And she had this lust for money. While she was in her 20s, she torched the household belongings of a local health official who had jilted her. And so her family has sent her away for treatment. And on her return, she said she had been mentally disturbed. And this came from a childhood friend of her age. You know, in those years with Uganda convulsed by the genocidal rule of Ida Amin, Morinde owned a bar in Kanuga. And it says that she seduced a motorist who was passing through and killed them while he slept and kept the money. According to a letter that was written by a close friend, which goes to show that y'all need to learn how to keep your business to yourself. Don't be, don't even be telling your best friends what you're about to do because eventually they're going to snitch on you. No secret is safe. Very early in the morning, people came to get beer and they found her washing blood off the concrete. No one asked. No one said anything. No one. One time she led her followers on a punishment raid because a relative had refused to join the cult. And so they went and burned his banana plantation. She was evil. And then all three of her brothers died off one by one. And she became the owner of the land that eventually became the cult's headquarters. Poison, which was the murder weapon that was used, killed most of the cult members. 
She is crazy and she is a murderer, said Dr. Thaddeus Barungi, who was the chief pathologist in the investigation. So can you imagine this woman who already had these tendencies and they were ignored maybe it was a poor country maybe they couldn't afford it but she was planning and plotting so when it came when the time came for the final massacre cult members were in no condition to resist their daily routine was arduous they were awakened at three o'clock for every morning for two hours of prayer they fasted two days a week and on the other five days they were fed nothing next to nothing and when their children who were hungry they were punished for catching and eating bugs now can you imagine here you are in this occult with your children you are barely eating your children are barely eating your children are getting weak and your children are going out catching and catching insects and eating bugs because they are hungry this is stupidity to me this is why we have to become strong-minded people so that we will not fall for anything. We will not believe in anything, especially what the media is saying about, okay, see, I'm going on a rant. That is another story. Let's get back to what I'm talking about. Even when the people and the children got infested with scabies, they didn't complain. Because the followers had sworn absolute poverty, chastity, and obedience to Credonia. They slept on the floor, they washed with laundry soap, and they had to be silent for so many times. They were never allowed to speak to their immediate superiors, much less to just 12 supreme leaders of the cult which was based on the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples. So she used and manipulated the Bible to control these people who were already poor. And I have found that when you have someone who is really suffering, they reach out to religion to save them because the Bible talks about heaven being the streets with gold and you won't have any worries and you won't have any more problems when you go there. There are so many songs written about heaven. So these people believe that they were going to reap their reward in heaven. So they followed these rules and regulations. They was tired. They was hungry. And their faith led them to this blind obedience. A woman named Katerina Nasana, she was a 72-year-old woman who was expelled from the cult when her daughters embarked on a crusade to bring her home. She said that she believed that living that way would save her. And that's what I was just saying. She had sores on her feet her arms, her legs, but she didn't care because she believed what she was doing was right. And then there was another former cult member named Mary Kasambe 
who said that Credonia could say, today we are going to dig for one week. Today we are not going to eat for three days. And they wouldn't. Kusabi, 42, left the cult in 1997 after she saw her four young children searching for grasshoppers to eat. Credonia would get a program from heaven from the Virgin Mary and she would transmit it to us and our job was to obey. I didn't believe people went to Credonia asking for their money. You just didn't ask questions. And this is what Kasambi added. So she was one of the smart ones. At first she wasn't a little smart, but when she saw her kids looking in the grass for grasshoppers to eat, she was like, oh, hell no. This is, uh, oh no, my kids is not going to be looking for no grasshoppers. I might have to suffer, but I ain't going to allow my kids to suffer. Like she became that lioness. She became that mother bear. She was going to protect her children. People who knew her, Credonia, agreed that it was greed that was the driving force in her life because she was never happy unless she was making money. Her ex-husband, Eric Mazima, who sold his land and evicted his second wife to become a partner in her bar, said that she was it was all about making money to her. Over the years, police say the stealthy murder became a tool she used to accumulate wealth. And anybody that came up against her, she would silence them. Family members and acquaintances said escaping with her followers money would not have been enough for her. She had a lifelong need to eliminate anyone who knew her intimate secrets. So killing her flock and killing all of those people. Yeah, I'm going to kill all of them because they know my secrets and I ain't giving them nothing back. Sorry about that. And she made it look like a collective suicide, which would have prevented her from being suspected of a mass murder. Um, maybe she got her reasoning from Jim Jones when he put when he put the stuff in the Kool-Aid in the drink and told him to drink it maybe that's why she felt like she could poison him who knows but in 1989 her bar went broke and that is when she converted to Roman Catholicism and she claimed that she saw the Virgin Mary in a cave just outside Canunga and enlisted the help of two respected local clerics to build her apocalyptic cult so you mean to tell me that all I got to do is go in a cave or go out in the woods somewhere and come back and tell people, guess what? The Virgin Mary came and spoke to me and this is what she wanted. And next thing you know, I'm able to start my occult. Is that all that it took? All it took was to see a vision from God. And especially with the Roman Catholic Church, because they do a lot of honoring of the saints. So I could see how that, you know, could have occurred. They said that she was beautiful. Her skin was soft. She had a dulcet voice and she appeared to be deeply devout. She fasted regularly, slept without a mattress, never smiled. 
and she would black out periodically during conversation to receive messages from the Virgin Mary because she spent hours praying and writing and you know having been a bar owner who neighbors say at least occasionally sold her body she possessed the added mystique of being a converted sinner and this kind of puts you in the art the, the the memory or puts you in your thought process of the Mary Magdalene so for the first three years after her vision Credonia lived in the household of Joseph Kip Wateri. He was a Catholic who was headmaster of a private boarding school. His conversion to her beliefs gave the movement instant respectability because he was the headmaster of a respected private boarding school. And Kip Wateri, he had became fascinated with her visions. He had driven with his wife to Rwanda to witness apparitions and devoured books on Our Lady of Fatima and of Lourdes. But when she, Credonia, told him not only that she had a vision of the Virgin, but that Mary had told her a man named Joseph Kibutari was going to help her restore the Ten Commandments. Oh my God. The, the Virgin Mary called him by his name. He was flattered and he felt like he was the most important person in the world. But his family threw the prophetess out of the house, believing that she was just having an affair with the man. And after that happened, guess what she did? Guess what Credonia did? She set fire to his wife's wardrobe and beat her up. And right after that, Kibwateri moved into Credonia's compound and became the nominal leader of the cult. The killings that preceded Credonia's disappearance occurred over a period of several months. The cult followers who now numbered in the thousands, they were transported to one of the movement's dozen rural outposts. And the poison was given to them with their evening meal. It was a fast acting poison. She did a lot of research. And this came from the pathologist Barungi. He said that there must have been a period of several minutes during which the hardiest victims would have attempted to scream or run away. He said that he believed those were the people who were strangled or hit over the head. Can you imagine strangling a child who is not dying quickly or quietly enough? Now, I saw the Jim Jones movie on TV. And there was people with rifles that were shooting and killing people. So this all reminds you of Jim Jones. The killings were carried out in complete secrecy. Despite African villages' far famed noisiness, no one was the wiser. Neighbors say they heard no sounds. They heard no shouts. Only the vehicles coming and going at night, and in two cases, the sound of digging. They said they were digging latrines. Teresa Kiba Samir, 60, whose house stands less than 50 feet from one of the graves, said that all you could hear was the sound of digging. 
And what it was, was that the cult members were digging their own graves. Now, disposing of the bodies, it wasn't easy. Because they had to be stripped of their clothes, incinerated, and then lowered into the pits, which was 10 to 15 deep. So not only did she kill them with the poison, she then took all their clothes off and then had people to help her burn them. And they had to be packed in there tightly. There was a mass grave that was found on the property of Dominique Caturibabo, who was a defrocked Roman Catholic priest identified by the police as Credonia's closest accomplice, made prisoners assigned to the exhumation of the bodies recoil. Inside a pit, which was no more than eight feet by eight feet, they found skeletons stacked so closely together it was impossible to distinguish one corpse from another. They had to extricate hip bones from collarbones. Do you see how evil and sickening this is? Oh my goodness, what the fuck? The police believed that the chief killers included Katarababo, Joseph Kapuyurare, another defrocked Catholic priest, and Kanaga Guru, the farm manager, along with a dozen of more of their subordinates. We are looking for the operational cadre, that middle tier of leadership, said Nagambi. Credona would say, kill those men and they would be killed they were so brainwashed that they would do everything they were told how did this one woman have all of this power credonia apparently played off the fear of the devil she used the devil to persuade her closest aides to commit mass murder Several of the cult members who were able to escape said that she fostered a visceral overpowering fear of demonic intrusion into the cult. Every object that came from the outside, money, clothes, food, medicine had to be exercised with prayer. She said the devil was everywhere. Even the cult's children were terrified of the devil. And she said that the virgin told her the killings were needed to rid the community of evil. Can you imagine? You know what? I don't even want to talk about can you imagine? I want to say in today's world, the devil is blamed for everything. The devil, that devil is a liar. The devil ain't gonna have no victory over me today. The devil this, the devil that, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. You ain't nothing but the devil. The devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. And why not use the Bible to put fear in people's hearts against the demons and the devils? Why not use that to get what you wanted? And then to tell them that the Virgin Mary said that the killings were needed to rid the community of evil. 
Now, if these people had given up all of their life possessions to join her cult, why were they considered evil? Another people saying that maybe she, you know, some people were saying that maybe she had been trying to suppress a growing skepticism about her powers and those of the other leaders. And maybe, you know, by the world not ending, it caused a lot of doubt. Some people say that they're trying to figure out how did Joseph Kibwateri die? Several survivors survivors said that he had not been seen or heard from in months and that his estranged wife, Teresa, said that he died of some degenerative disease in October. But although Credonia ran things, she had transformed Kibwateri into this Christ figure. Like, he would wear nothing but Catholic bishop's robe and a ring, and he alone was allowed to ordain young men into the cult's priesthood. She used him because of his money and because he was a man. And this is what his wife said. Police say his death may have sparked affections that threatened her rule, forcing her to commit mass murder or risk losing her power and her wealth. The six men, the six strong men, who probably did most of the burying over the many months of death, ended up in a grave of their own, covered in sulfuric acid. The chief killers may or may not have survived. People say that Credonia is still listed as missing and detectives are convinced that she's still alive they believe that she and Katarababu the defrocked priest walked across the frontier into Congo perhaps fording a shallow stretch of the Ashaka River eastern Congo it's a lawless land infested with warring fractions including Hutu militiamen who fled to the area after their campaign of genocide in Rwanda so a manhunt in the area to look for Credonia Morinde is out of the question. So one of the things that is so amazing to me when I was investigating the story of the priestess of death is that people can be fooled by so many things and like I was saying earlier as I was sharing this story we need to know within ourselves and trust ourselves and start and stop stop putting our faith in what other people are telling us especially religious folk when people are suffering they call out to God when you see the abuse of your children and she was really mean to children she will lock them up in sheds and not give them anything to eat and I don't know why she was so abusive to the children but for a parent to allow their child to suffer like that that is stupid to me 
So we must make our minds strong. We must not be weak. Because something like this can never happen again. I want to thank you for listening to my story. Evil lives amongst us. African American true crimes. Listening to the horrific, the horrific acts of Credonia Mwerinde. I do want to apologize to anyone for uh, murdering your names. That was a pun, but it's not a joke. But for not pronouncing your names the right way. So I'll apologize for saying murder, murdering your names because that's not something to play with. It honestly isn't. But I do want to say um, thank you for listening to my podcast come back next week for another episode of evil lives amongst us african-american true crimes